welcome to Greater Life Church. What a wonderful time we've had already. Let me see. I think it's time that I make the font go from 11 to 12 on my sermon notes. Feels a little bit like a loss to me. I don't know. Anybody else with me? How many of you guys have changed the text on your phone recently this past week? God bless you. He knows where you are. (laughs) Greater years is calling. Hey, they have fun. Well, my name is Andrew. I'm privileged to um, bring the word today and thankful that you've made a choice to be here at Greater Life Church. God bless you. Um, Starting a new sermon series. And uh, for those of you that don't know, we kind of had a little competition uh, to pick this graphic. And uh, a few weeks ago, we had three choices that we gave the congregation on a Wednesday night. It was it was a game night, and it was an activity we were having together, and, and we said, hey, pick one of three. There were three choices, two terrible ones, and this one, and, um, <laughs> and so, you know, we put it on the line, and we had a vote, and I'm happy to, um, happy to say that the one I liked won. Amen. I still have a purpose here at Greater Life Church. <laughs> I was kind of doubtful that if there, there was one of them, that if it won... I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, God bless you. We're starting a new series. As you can see, one church, one church. We're going to be talking about the mission, the message, the method, and the multiplication. And I want to just commend Pastor Randy for so valiantly saying that town's name in Germany a hundred (laughs) times. To me, that was one of those Old Testament towns that I would just say a town. Uh, <laughs> read it on your own. I, I, I'm not even going to attempt it. It was Smugglesburger's Fung or something like that. But um, anyway, God bless you. I think you practiced a lot before you came up here, didn't you? <laughs> oh, here we go. The church is the single greatest source of support for the poor today. It is strength for the weak. It is the voice for morality. The church is Jesus on earth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, we are reminded as we read that we, meaning the church, are Christ's body or individuals of it, individual members of that body. There's been, as of late, there's been a sense or there's been a habit that I can be a believer of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, and yet remain completely disconnected from the local church. I can be someone who loves God and loves Jesus, yet has issues with the church and and feels like I don't need to be connected. Well, it's kind of a statement that doesn't hold any value or honest honesty because if you love Jesus and not the church, Jesus 
is the head of the church. It's his body. It's an idea that we can't grasp with these minds, and that's why it's a spiritual concept. Because we cannot love Jesus and hate the body. Certainly, there is this word that we use sometimes. We, we talk about unchurched, which are people that don't have a church home and never have. We talk about de-churched, which are people that used to be active in a local church. And at one thing or another, whether it was backsliding in their relationship with the Lord or it was just they got hurt by someone in the church, they've left. And so these two categories of people, unchurched being people that have never experienced the church, and de-church, can I just say, reaching the unchurched person is sometimes easier than reaching the de-churched. Because some of the pain and some of the things that they've experienced are attached to the new church experience. Well, the pastor said, or the pastor did, or someone sitting in my pew or on my chair or in my small group did this, said that, and now I am leaning in towards offense or expecting it. An unchurched person comes in and meets Christ and the joy of the Lord is, is something they've never experienced before and they think that, wow, now that I'm in a family, now that I'm in one church and I'm a part of the body of Christ, certainly the body doesn't hurt each other. <laughs> we, we know that's not true because in every church, is people. Look at your neighbor to your right and to your left and say, you are a people. <laughs> now that we've established that, now that we've established that truth, we understand that people make mistakes. Had we not made mistakes, we would not have needed a savior to die for our mistakes. <laughs> yeah? Can I just throw myself into the category with you? I am a also a people. And I make mistakes. Thank you for not saying amen. <laughs> One church. We're coming off the series One Family. But the church is an extension of the family. This is a spiritual family. In order for us to understand what the church is to be about, today's topic, the mission of the church, I think we need to know what Jesus said about the church. So we're gonna begin at the end of the scriptures in Revelation chapters two and three. Pray with me before we get into it. Lord, have your way, open our hearts, help us to see what you wanna say. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I also want to preface this message by saying that if you're here today, this message is about the church, but if you're here and you have not made a decision to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then the message is about what the church should be about, but I wanna give you a chance before we're done to be a part of that, to join the body, 
the church by saying yes to Jesus. We had precious people receive that call in the last service and it just, it was so awesome to see. 36, 38, some in Honduras responded to that call. I wonder what God will do in this room. <laughs> Let's see what Jesus says about the church in Revelation. He writes this message, these letters to these churches. Now, scholars will tell you, some believe that the churches represent a period of time. In other words, uh, these 200 years or this 100 years or these 500 years represents that particular church. Some will also say that the church represents different churches or denominations today. I've always been a both and kind of person. When someone says, what do I want for the sides of my meal? Mac and cheese, mashed potatoes, I don't like to do or, I like to do and, mac and cheese and mashed potatoes, please. Well, they're both starches, I don't care. And so I like to come at this with a both and approach. I do believe that you can find historical examples of the churches that Jesus calls out because they have specific cities that they're named to right around the time the book of Revelation was written. But I also believe that these are representations of the churches today. And the reason why I believe that is because a spirit is attached to each church. It says the seven spirits. Now the spirit, lowercase s, speaks of the personality of a thing. You with me? So I think we can take it this way and I think we can look at our own church and church in general to find out the mission. What does, what does God say makes a church commended. What did Jesus see in the Ephesus church? Well, he said they worked hard. They worked hard. One of the things that we do at Greater Life is we, we, we have serve opportunities, but serve opportunities are there not just so you can do something for the kingdom, but also so you can connect with other people while you're serving. It's missional small groups. I believe we can do something together as opposed to just eating those little weenies and meatballs at somebody's house once a week. You with me? It's missional. Pastor Randy mentioned feeding the homeless, reaching out to the nursing home. There's many of these opportunities and even in the house, there's opportunities. They worked hard, Jesus said. Jesus also said the church of Ephesus didn't tolerate evil people. They didn't allow people to come in that weren't in a posture of getting more and more like Jesus. Catch this. We want to welcome everybody to the ministry. But at some point, there has to be a decision in our lives. Are we going to be moving closer to what God has called us to do? Or do we want to just stay where we are and show up on Sunday? It's a question that we ask ourselves or should. Am I closer to Jesus this week than I was last week? Am I closer in relationship to God this week than I was last week? What have I done over the past month, year, to move towards what God's called me to? You see, they didn't tolerate evil people. 
people that basically said, I want to show up, but I don't want to change. I want the salvation benefits, but I don't want to let Jesus be in charge. <laughs> they tested teachers, Jesus said. They exposed teaching of false doctrines and false ministers that would come their way. They didn't give up even though they suffered. About the church at Smyrna, Jesus said that they were rich in things that matter. As a matter of fact, it reads like this. You don't have much, but you're rich. You see, we can have all the stuff in the world and yet be poor as dirt spiritually. If I could share with you a little bit about Kelly and my story. When we were on staff at our first church in Faith Assembly in Rock Hill, we were kids pastors and ran the little bus and went and picked up all the little kids down there near, nearby. It was, a, it was a trailer park establishment and we'd go down there and 30 kids would pile into the bus and then we'd go back to church and we'd have children's church with them and something hit me one day. We're here reaching these people, but who will reach those in the country clubs? And then I said, Holy Spirit, that's weird. But then God showed me something. That the people in situations of life where they don't have much, they're struggling. That they, they, they have reason to lean in towards faith in God. They look around and say, my life is not what it can be. I, I need something, right? Well, what happens when you get all of it and you still aren't happy? And so that's why God called Kelly and I to Mint Hill, that and other things, which by the way, our church is in Mint Hill. I know it says Matthews, but that's a post office thing. It's always bothered me. We're in Mint Hill. <laughs> because <laughs> God called us to Mint Hill. If you've been around Mint Hill long enough, you know that we're weird about people in Mint Hill. It's like, oh, I'm in Mint Hill. I know it says Charlotte, but my, my zip code is Mint Hill. Are you with me? Anybody that's not in, living in Mint Hill, God bless you. We love you. You can still come to church here. <laughs> anyway. I do so good, and then I get off on these. Anyway. Back to it. What was I saying? What was I saying? Mint Hill. Yeah, I know Mint Hill. What was the other part? It's not in my notes. I'm off script here. Country club. Things that matter. Well, that's, I'm, not, I'm on the country club story still. That's on the notes. I got that one. All right, back to it. Listen. So here's the thing. It, it hit me that the people living in these homes with all this stuff that just went through a divorce or went through the loss of a loved one or, and they have all the money they could ever need, everything the world says, you need this to be happy. And then they look around and say, wait a second. I'm still not fulfilled. Something else. Because what we do in our lives is we work and we work. And we, if I can just make this much, if I can just have that much in retirement, if I can just get that stuff, then I'll be happy. And so the Holy Spirit told me, what about the people in the country club, so to speak? What about those people? Well, God's called us to the destitute and the needy, but 
but he's also called us to those people that look around and say, I've got it all and I'm still miserable. Amen? The gospel is not for one demographic. The gospel preaches really well to every soul. Amen? But Jesus is saying you were rich in things that matter, eternal things. We want to be about eternal things. Jesus said about Smyrna that you suffered greatly and you'll be rewarded because you haven't given up. Jesus said about this church again that they would be ridiculed and opposed but encouraged them to remain faithful. Jesus said about the church at Pergamum that even though their location was evil, all around they remained faithful. So before you feel like you may be in a place where nobody at my job is a believer, nobody in my office is a believer, nobody at my school is a believer, nobody in my neighborhood is a believer. I, I grew up in Las Vegas, whatever you want to say. Jesus is commending this church that while they were surrounded by evil, they still remained faithful to him. We've got to stop being the ones that go into the corner and say, oh, Lord, let me just hang on to Jesus comes back. No, oh, don't look at me. Don't touch me. Evil person. Can we start taking ground again for the kingdom of God with boldness? Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm tired. I'm tired of Christians running. I'm tired of us just giving the gospel message in church buildings. Yeah. I'm, I'm exhausted of seeing churches that were birthed in revival running from the word of God. About Thyatira, the church of Thyatira, Jesus said that they had love, faith, service, and endurance. And they were constantly improving in those things. About the church at Sardis, he said, you have a great reputation but most of you are, are hypocrites. But he said there are few that are faithful. I'd rather have people sold out to what God's called them to. I'd rather have a few than thousands that are just halfway in. Oh, what God can do with a few, amen? He talks about the church in Philadelphia and says even in their weak moments they obeyed God. That they were bold in their beliefs. Far too long we have hidden behind this thing called offense. I do not want to offend people. If I say that, they're going to be offended. Offend them, please. For the sake of eternity, can we offend people again? If given the opportunity to look at your own life and to evaluate yourself as a part of the church, as a believer upon Jesus, if you've chosen that path, can people tell a difference in your life as opposed to the unbeliever? And if they can't, why? Or why not? Which brings me to the final church that Jesus addresses named Laodicea. A church full of hypocrites and comfortable Christians 
lukewarm, they're described. They have all but given up on completing the mission of the church. A people without a mission wander. A people without a mission do things they ain't supposed to be doing. Concentrate on things they're not supposed to concentrate on. You see, if you, don't, if you show up to work on tomorrow and don't know what you're supposed to do, one of two things is going to happen. Number one, you're going to watch Netflix and sit at your desk. Number two, you're going to get in trouble because you were supposed to be doing something and somebody didn't give you instructions. Can I tell you, I'm the kind of person that says, can we be self-starters in the kingdom? God, I need a revelation from you. I need you to show me today what I'm supposed to be about. Jesus is saying, I got a whole book of stuff you're supposed to be about. Pick it up. The mission is in here. Let's get into it. Now that my introduction is over, number one. <laughs> Today is a reminder that the church is to be about what Jesus was about. Today I want us to consider the statements of Jesus' mission and how we can apply that to our lives. The church should be an expression of the mission of Jesus in the world today. The Father sent the Son, the Son sent the Spirit, and we have that Spirit and are supposed to operate in it, amen? The gospel without the power is not the gospel. First of all, number one, build friendship with one another. The statement I have is this. If you'd like to write it down, it'll make me feel better if you did. I'm watching. I worked really hard on these. Jesus' mission was to reestablish fellowship with the Father in heaven and us. Jesus' mission was to reestablish fellowship with the Father in heaven and us. Now, these won't be on the screen. These are things that I just felt like would help us understand what our mission is, which is to build friendship with one another. It sounds overly simple. And I did not use the word fellowship because fellowship means food. Now, a couple of y'all might not agree, but I'm telling you, if you've been around church long enough and we say fellowship, that means... You walk in and there's no food. Hey, what's going on? I thought this was a fellowship. Join us for the fellowship after church about this, that, and the other. We, okay, I'll be there. It used to be potlucks and COVID-19 stole it from us. Now we got to wear gloves and whatnot. But I will tell you this. Greater years don't care. They come in with Tupperwares full and their spoons they bring from home. They give it a good spray, maybe every now and then, and it's good to go. Wednesdays, Wednesdays at 11. It's the funniest thing, every Wednesday. Brother, the staff around here has not been eating on Wednesdays since you stopped meeting. We would hover. They'd have this meal, they'd have this spread. Oh, it's wonderful. And the staff would just kind of be walking through there. They done yet? <laughs> Cake would just appear on my desk on Wednesdays. He's a good God, amen. Back to it. 
to build friendship with one another. John chapter 17, Jesus said this, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for the ones, also for all the ones who will believe me in through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us, so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, and they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as, I, as you love me. Catch this. Have you heard church life or churches in general described with this one word, unity, in a while? I, I, I certainly haven't. More and more times we find churches described with division and divisiveness and bitterness and, and all kinds of things. And I want, I want to tell you, greater life, guys, we have got to be unified in our love for one another. We've got to be friends with each other. I'm not saying you've got to hang out with them every day. I know. Can I just acknowledge one thing before you? I know there's people probably within the church, if you're a part of greater life already, there's people you probably don't like that much. And they get on your last nerve. But can I tell you, a measure of your commitment to the church and a mission that we're called to is to be friends with one another, to love one another, to be unified with one another. It's a mission of the church. Acts chapter two shows us the importance of fellowship, the importance of fellowship. It says they got together, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals and to prayer. This is part of the church's mission, the fellowship with one another, praying together. Starting tonight at seven o'clock, our intercessory prayer kicks off. Excited to have that kicked off again on Sunday evenings at seven. The impact of support is the second thing about building friendship. I've always said this, or I've always felt this, and every now and then it slips out. Don't wait on a tragedy to find a church. Far too often, it's the tragedy that drives us to find the church. But can I tell you, when you're in it and tragedy strikes, there's a friendship, there's a fellowship, there's a support that's gonna be there to help you walk through it. And I'm telling you, my heart is I want us to be connecting to one another. It breaks my heart to understand and to know that there are people that do not have the support of the local body because they're not a part of the local body. I wanna encourage you in that. The impact of support in Acts chapter 6, we see that the apostles took seven men and said, listen, the widows are not being fed, so we need to commit some people to take care of these needs. It's hard to get a meal train going for someone that people don't know. You with me? We did the walk around thing just a minute ago, and we got to meet each other. But can I tell you, one of the greatest ways you can connect here at Greater Life Church is on Wednesday night. We have a blast. Pastor's Prophecy Hour, the meals, we put games out there. Listen, we put games out there on Wednesday night and people were playing games and at seven o'clock, we were starting and there was two people, I was in here and the worship team was in here and I'm looking around, well, where is everybody at? 
I got on the microphone, hey, we're getting ready to start. And they were like, oh, we were playing games. It was awesome. Don't worry, we don't gamble. <laughs> Secondly, to be the flagship of God's love to the world. The flagship of God's love to the world. Jesus' mission was to become God incarnate. Literally, God made flesh. So people could have a relationship with him. This word flagship speaks of demonstration. We are to be a flagship of God love, God's love to the world. How do we do that? First of all, by demonstrating God's powerful love. Acts chapter 8, verse 38. And I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Let me ask you, do you know what, in the original languages, scripturally speaking, what the word nothing means? Help me. Bible scholars, huh? It means nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's pretty powerful love. <laughs> I don't feel love. Well, that's your emotions. God's love is powerful. God's love is powerful. Nothing can separate you from God's love, neither death nor life, angels or demons. Fears for today or worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Can we get to a place where we're reminded that love, the love of God is a powerful love and we can demonstrate that. We can be a demonstration of that, that no matter what we're facing, we still know that we know that we know God loves us. We can demonstrate God's unconditional love that while you and I were sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5, 8. This idea that you gotta figure out everything before you come to God, that's a lie from the pit of hell. We come to him as we are and allow him to change us from the inside out. We can demonstrate godly love for one another. John chapter 13, Jesus said, you will be known by the way you love one another. Your love for one another will prove that you are my disciples. You want to prove the love of God to be a flagship, a demonstration? How you love one another is going to make an impact. How does this play out in practicality? Care. Yeah, I saw them. They go to my church. Yeah, I, I might know them. Can, can, can we care for one another? Really? I really want this to be the one place, not like the grocery store checkout line. Hey, how you doing? I'm fine. Knowing you ain't fine. I really, don't, I really want this to be the one place where we can be humble and we can be honest. Hey, how you doing, man? I'm not good today. I'm struggling. Can I pray for you? Can, can this be the place where out there in the lobby before and after service, people are crying all over each other because we care? How do we demonstrate God's love towards one another? We care. Thirdly, to reach farther through counsel and conquest. I love this word conquest. It makes me want to put on a metal helmet and run into a battlefield. Can you just say, say conquest? conquest? Well, 
One person's with me. Can we just acknowledge the fact that we're in a spiritual warfare? Spiritual war has spiritual battles. And spiritual battles are either won or lost. We know that at the end, Jesus wins. But what are you winning right now? Are you winning the battles every day in your, for your home, for your family? Are you fighting? Have you laid your sword by the bed that it's never even touched? Or are you carrying it with you in here each and every day? Are you sick and tired of the devil beating you up? Then it's time to conquer by conquest. We are more than conquerors. Something, something inside of us has got to be ready to fight for the sake of the kingdom of God. A disciple in Luke chapter 6 says, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. I also want to encourage you in this. We reach farther through counsel and conquest. Taking believers deeper is the first thing through discipleship. Do not fight battles you're not ready to fight. And the best way to know that is to start getting trained in discipleship. What does that mean? Listen, in about a month, we've got all kinds of discipleship programs that we're launching. If you feel underprepared, we're going to help you. We're going to get you there. We have men, we have women in the church that will disciple you, walk through this journey with you to help you become all that God's called you to be. Discipleship. Paul said to imitate me as I imitate Christ. The goal, friends, is to get more and more like Jesus every day. To reach farther through counsel and conquest is also making believers through missions and outreach. We sent this group to Honduras and we want to send more out there into the world. But what about our immediate neighborhood. I was sitting there drinking my coffee this morning and the Lord showed me a picture of this campus and all kinds of stuff and I started writing it all down and I, I put it on my desk in there and I make people nervous around here when I dream. But it's not my fault. I just believe God wants to do something and I believe Jesus is coming soon. And I believe if we're not working, I want to get caught in the field for harvest. Amen? I don't want to get caught sitting down and not doing what God's called me to do. I want to get caught in full swing toward bringing in the harvest. I want God to come and just show up and the rapture to occur while I'm praying with somebody into the kingdom of God. That's what I want to get caught doing. Oh, man, I just, can you just picture that for a moment? Rapture occurs, and I'm standing there, and there's two sets of clothes where earlier, 30 seconds earlier, there would have only been one because this one just got saved, and I was able to pray with them. Oh, my goodness. I can, Lord, if I could just ask one thing, can that be the thing? Whew. That gets me excited. The mission of the church is to... Be Jesus to the world. That's our mission. Eric, would you come? I want to encourage you today in this. God loves you. <laughs> he loves you. 
no matter if you deserve it or not, no matter if you've earned it or not, you never can. You never can earn it. But God loves you. So would you stand in the house for just a moment? I'm gonna have the prayer team come back up to the front. We're gonna dismiss you in just a moment. But I wanna invite you. There's two questions. I've talked about the church mission. I've talked about the measure of who Jesus is and what are we doing in that? Here's the two questions. Number one, you say, Pastor, I've been distant from the Lord. I was at church at one point in time in my life. I was serving him with everything that I am, yet now I find myself distant. I know I'm distant. If that's you today, then in just a moment, I'm gonna invite you to come and to pray with some of these precious people here so you can lead them and encourage them. So you can pray with them and give your heart again, a fresh commitment to the Lord. Maybe you're bound up. Maybe there's an addiction. I don't know whatever it is. But if you wanna make a fresh commitment to the Lord Jesus right now, you were there one day and you know, and even as I'm talking, you're nervous. <laughs> Can I tell you, this is a celebration. The people in this house are gonna celebrate with you. You say, Pastor, I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. I wanna make a commitment today again to him. I wanna be about what Jesus is about. That's you, come now, come now. You wanna rededicate your life to the Lord, come now. Thank you. Hallelujah. Second question. Pastor, I've never even had a relationship with Jesus before and I wandered in here. <laughs> I felt drawn. Man, if I've heard that once, I've heard it a dozen times. That's the Holy Spirit drawing you in. You wanna commit your life to Christ? Become a part of the family, a part of the church. If that's you, I'm inviting you. Come, move now. Receive what the Lord has for you. Come now. Thank you. Hallelujah. By your own testimony, you're saying one of two things. I have a commitment with Christ and I follow him with all my heart, or I'm choosing not to follow him today. That's your choice. I'm gonna give three more seconds. If you wanna make a commitment today, come now, two, one. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord Jesus in the house today, may you minister among us and encourage us as we go. Bring us back, Lord closer to you than we are today. And may we be encouraged in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Hope to see you soon.